Aloha. Welcome to our Mentoring Monday podcast. I'm Ammon Turner, and I'll be the host today. Um, we've got a great guest lined up for you, uh, but first let's get into some announcements and then I will introduce our guest. So I want to give a thank you to last week's Mentoring Monday guest, Joseph Rubin, and our last Aloha Friday guests, uh, Dave and Kura Tovi. Uh, you can check them out um, here or on YouTube or we're on Spotify. So check us out, um, get some of those older podcasts. Uh, we've also got, we want to invite you to join Ohana Network. Uh, if you want to reach out to any of our uh, previous guests or um, other alumni, current students, uh, we've got a great network for you there. Uh, quick announcements about next week's um, podcasts. Uh, on Friday, we've got Aljay and Sandra Fuimaano. Uh, for our Aloha Friday, and um, next Monday, uh, we've got Thiefane Magre. Um, both of those will be at 3 p.m. Hawaii Standard Time, and this Friday and Saturday is Culture Night, so join us there. Uh, so if you've got any, so let me introduce our guest. We have with us today, uh, Lisi K. Longi. She grew up running the streets of Laie and the halls of BYU-Hawaii. As a high school student, she spent many hours at the BYUH library studying, her words, both of her parents, Samuela Longi and Dorian Thoen Longi, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, are Church College of Hawaii <clears throat> alumni, and four of their seven ch children also graduated from BYUH. After graduating from Kahuku High School, Elise earned her bachelor's degree in political science from BYUH, a master's degree in public administration from the, from the Romney Institute of Public Management, Marriott School of Management at BYU, and a Juris Doctorate from the J. Reuben Clark Law School at BYU. Elise has worked and or volunteered in both the private and public sectors, including education, early childhood, elementary, secondary, undergraduate, and graduate, local government administration, private law practice, judicial systems, domestic courts, and juvenile detention, nonprofit, and more. By far, her two favorite responsibilities have been as a primary caregiver to her father who suffered from dementia and as a teacher in the local seminary program. Alicia is excited to continue teaching in religious education and looks forward to contributing to the work and mission of BYU Hawaii. So without further ado, let's have Sister Longi join us. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. So did I leave anything out in your introduction? The only thought that I had was, <clears throat> I think six of my parents' seven children have been at BYU-Hawaii at one time or another. So four of us are actual alumni. We graduated from the school, but almost every single one of us came through the university at some point in our education. Okay. So you got a lot of ties to the school. <laughs> you yes, grew up around here. You... <laughs> uh, okay, so um, it says so in your bio. You said you studied law. Uh, why did you? Why did you choose that? So. I mean, you had my sister on here a couple weeks ago, Larie Monetai, and she talked about sort of our family dynamic, what it was like at our dinner table, 
where we would discuss politics and current events. Um, one of the things she didn't mention is that my father was really active in the community. So he sat on neighborhood boards. Um, but one thing that I did from the time I was really young was to campaign for, and this was long before I could vote. I was constantly mm -hmm. campaigning for different candidates. Of course, candidates that my father supported. I didn't necessarily <laughs> understand everything that I was doing, but I, we would get on the side of the road and we would sign, uh, wave signs and we would walk door to door. And there was just sort of always activity in our house connected to government, um, to law. I think law was something that my father probably would have studied if mm -hmm. he had had the opportunity, but he was busy taking care of our family. Yeah. And so um, I think law school was something that grew on me as I grew older. My mom will tell you that from a young age, I was always going to be a teacher. And in the end, right, your mom's always right. She, she's right. I, she is. I am a teacher. <laughs> but, but as I grew older and the more I was involved in things like um, uh, constitutional conventions, model United Nations, when I was a senior, I was able to travel to Washington, D.C. and compete in um, We the People. And just a lot of my interest tended towards things that had to do with government, with politics, with law. And so law school was something that I don't know that I necessarily felt impressed like I had to go to law school, but it was something that I began to desire. And, and so to pursue an education and to, um, and to learn what it was like to, mm -hmm. to be like and to think like a lawyer. I didn't necessarily think that I would be a practicing attorney but it was something that I was interested in trying. And, okay. and so I did. <laughs> so did you try being an attorney for a time? I mean, it... no. So I mean, in between my legal education, right during summers, there was my first summer, I externed with uh, Judge Karen Radius here at the family courts. Mm -hmm. I worked um, for part of that summer at a private law practice. And so I, I would, be in those types of legal environments, but I don't. I don't know that I ever thought I would definitely be an attorney. But I did want to go to law school. Okay. So you wanted to study law, but you didn't necessarily want to be an attorney. Yeah. I don't okay. know. I necessarily want to be an attorney. <laughs> Which I mean, at one point, I remember I was doing. I was doing. Um, I was doing some sort of interview process, and one of the people that was there basically implied like you shouldn't go to law school if you don't plan to be an attorney but i will say that i have never once regretted my legal education and mm -hmm. i feel like even though i'm not a practicing attorney i use the skills that i developed during my legal education all the time like they are part of who i am and so i i don't i i mean as as much as like right i can respect his opinion on that Mm -hmm. In my own life, I have found that that's, that has not been the case. I have not regretted my legal education, even though I haven't chosen to practice law. Okay. So how has your legal education influenced your teaching, you know, like your teaching style and stuff? I mean, I know um, a little bit because I've had <laughs> class with you. But. Right. Ammon has had me as a student, I think both online and face-to-face, -face, right, in the classroom. Yes. Yep. Um, I, th I think one of the ways that it affects just my teaching approach is, is the way that I think, 
when we when we were in law school, they would always tell us like, we're not here to teach you how to practice law. We're here to teach you how to think like a lawyer. And I didn't necessarily understand what that meant until I would be in a situation where I had to solve issues or concerns or think about um, different ways to approach things. And I just recognized, oh, my my thinking process is different. And that's not to say like, oh, my thinking process is better. It was just different. Mm -hmm. I noticed that I approached issues and sort of as sort of this like 360, trying to look at every angle, trying to figure out um, pros and cons, parts that parts of the information that I had before me that agree with what I already thought, but also parts of the information that disagreed with what I thought. And I feel like my teaching is similar. I try to be at least more open in the classroom in hearing mm-hmm. a lot of different opinions and and also in trying to just approach learning in a way that's very, um, I think that recognizes that people have to come to that understanding on their own. And mm-hmm. so I try to make my classes very active in regards to what the students are doing. I would hope that in most of my classes, the students are not just sitting and listening. I want them to be actively engaged in the things that we're discussing, in the things that we're, we're thinking about, because ultimately it's them who will choose whether or not something's gonna sink into their heart and their mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you studied law and now you're teaching. How, how did that transition happen? Um, I, man, I feel like a lot of the, the things that I've done in my career, not just with that switch between law and teaching, but just, just every, I feel like every single step that I've taken in my career have been influenced, one, by divine intervention, but also, two, by, um, by people, by mentors mm-hmm. who have seen farther ahead for my future than maybe I even did, and who I feel like were moved upon by the spirit to ask me specific questions or to give me opportunities that I don't know that I would have necessarily taken for myself, either because okay. I didn't, you know, didn't necessarily think, okay, I, I'm qualified for this, let me try it, or this is an opportunity that I'm going to take on. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, I've, I've seen that when I look back, a lot of it has been the hand of other people who have just asked me a question like, Alisi, have you ever thought about this? Or Alisi, we see this in you. Have you thought about that? I One that just came to mind was my Psych 111 professor at BYU Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I had given a presentation and at the end of it, when I when I finally got my grade, I had got it perfect. And I was like, yes, yay, great presentation. But as we were walking out, he stopped me and he just said, I've never given a perfect on any presentation ever. Wow. What are you going to do? I said, oh, I'm going to law school. He said, no, don't do that. You need to be a teacher. I was like, mm, Professor Jackson, I, I have a lot of teachers in my family. I think we're okay there. Right? <laughs> but just people like that who saw potential in me that... I either didn't want to see or, mm-hmm. um, or just I wasn't thinking on that track yet. But as they would see me do things, they they would extend, like they would give their input and their thoughts. And it was things that I could think about. This job particularly, I started as an adjunct professor. It wasn't something that I was necessarily looking for. 
um, but Eric Marlowe, who invited me to, to try to come on as an adjunct, he had seen me teach in our local ward. I had his sons as my seminary students. And so he called up one day and just asked me if I would think about it, consider it. And the more that I thought about it, the more I considered it, the more it just felt like, okay, yeah, I think this is an opportunity that we're going to try. Okay. And, and I did that for, I worked as adjunct, I think for three years. Mm -hmm. And then as this opportunity opened up to, to come on full time, I was able to, to go through the process and transition into doing this full time. But, and that's, I feel like when I look back on my path, that's a lot of it. It's a lot of it is people who saw ahead and just kind of gave me little suggestions or pieces of advice. And I didn't always take it from them in the moment that they were giving it to me, but it gave me something to think about. And I think it allowed me to be open to the spirit as he would say, you know, his, as I would just get the instead of like, yeah, maybe that's something you should think about. So the people that you've interacted with have influenced it. Um, a lot. How, how did you like find people like that? Did you seek them out intentionally or did they just like happen across your path or you just were like, I'll just try this class out and see what happens? Yeah, I, that's such an interesting question because I feel like for me, I've always had a problem with the concept of networking because mm -hmm. I, I just always felt like it was kind of phony, right? I, I want it to be kind of organic, right? We're, we're naturally meeting people, not because we want to get something out of them, but because we want to develop a relationship. And so networking in that sense has always just been a little hard for me, not, mm -hmm. not natural for me. Yeah. But um, I've found that as a, a lot of it has been me just taking opportunities and sometimes opportunities that scare me or opportunities that doesn't exist. For example, I remember um, Dr. Dale Robertson, who I, I count as one of my mentors mm -hmm. and one of the people who has heavily influenced my path. Um, he let me TA in his international relations class when it really wasn't a thing, like it wasn't a paid position the way we have TAs now, okay. but he let me come because it was something that I just, I thought I would be interested in and I desired to to do it. And so he let me come into his class and sit in with his international relations class. And I think maybe lead some study groups and, and just look at that process. And that wasn't an opportunity that existed, but because it was something I wanted to do and he had been one of my teachers, he, he like, he let me come and do it. And that gave me, I knew that just gave me some experience mm -hmm. being in the classroom and then also a little bit more experience with the topic of international relations. And um, yeah, a lot of it has been people who I've either grown up with, or again, I've been in um, sometimes volunteer positions that have introduced me to them. For example, Sister Lane, who, Sister Jennifer Lane, who mm -hmm. is now over at uh, BYU in the Religious Studies Center, she was my a shift leader at the temple, right? And so okay. I was volunteering on her shift and I had known her husband before. He had been one of my favorite religion professors. I had taken lots of classes from him, but she was my shift leader. And I think I was volunteering there. We weren't talking about 
work or, or my career really not, mm-hmm. not too much or anything like that. It, and I wasn't, um, I wasn't spending time with her with the thought of maybe one day I'll be able to have a job like her. It wasn't anything like that. It was, I was just doing service that I wanted to do. And I was able to meet people who were doing amazing things and who, as we developed a relationship, they continued to, to support me and to have my back even outside of that volunteer opportunity. Okay. So for you, networking has never been, I'm trying to find a job. It's been, I'm trying to find good people to bring into my life. Yeah. It's, it's just been like, you know, I'm going to try this opportunity and wow, I met these really awesome people and they do really cool things. <laughs> and I feel like, um, as you are out among people, the more you can extend yourself, right, in, in kindness, mm-hmm. in love, in service, without the the thought of what can I get out of this, a lot of times those things just come back to you in ways that you you don't realize they will. And that's not to say that the other type of networking is wrong. I've just never been good at it. I've never been really comfortable in it. It's really awkward for me to go into like a networking situation. And they would do that to us at the law school. And I hated them. (laughs) It didn't feel natural to me. Like I wanted to have a real conversation with the Mm -hmm. person versus I'm having a conversation with you because I hope that one day I'll be able to get something out of you. I don't know. The dynamic for me was really hard. And so for me, it, it really was developing relationships with people um, just as a natural part of the things that I was doing. I, I honestly agree with you on that. I, I don't like networking for networking's sake. I like to get to know people. That's, that's kind of like why we're here on earth and why we're here at school and why we're here to be here. Yeah. I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and again, it's not that one way is wrong and one way is right. It's just, uh-huh. I, I'm not comfortable in that environment. I don't feel like I'm myself in those types of environments. And so it's one of those, like, you're not going to see the best of me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel really awkward around you. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just, I think part of it is just as you, as you do your best, as you try, as you put yourself out there in the things that you're, you're doing, I think, you will make connections that will be important to you in ways that you won't recognize in the moment, but you'll see, you'll see how important they are as you're, as you continue on. So we've got a good question here from Emily Johnston, who had the greatest influence in your life as far as teaching religion at BYUH? Oh my goodness. That is, that is a really great question. Um, thank you, Emily Johnson, for that question. Emily's actually one of my really great friends from BYU Hawaii. This is a great question. Man, I think in regards to just being in this actual position, I've, I know I've mentioned Eric Marlowe. Aaron Shumway is another person who has helped me a lot. He was our, he was the coordinator. Now he's the director of religious, religious education here at BYU Hawaii. But I was teaching again in a volunteer position as a seminary teacher 
in our local mm-hmm. seminary program. And the longer I taught, the more I realized like, oh, this is work that I kind of love. Like I love getting to study the gospel. I love getting to teach the gospel. I love seeing the gospel come alive in students. And so I had reached out to him and I just said, hey, I, I know um, I, I'm just, this is something that I might be interested in doing full time as a career, which is hard to say in Hawaii because Hawaii really only has three paid positions for seminary and institutes and they're coordinate, coordinator positions. They're not even necessarily teaching positions. Mm-hmm. And, but he, um, but he was one that was really willing to continue to work with me. And I think he knew the challenges of wanting to do what I was asking to do here in Hawaii. He knew that I'd probably have to go out of state, but he still gave me opportunities. He, he would, when, um, when some of the, his bigger bosses would come in, one in particular, he would bring them to my classroom and he, and if I would hesitate or if he could see I was hesitating, he would just remind me, Alisi, remember you said that this is something you would like to do. And so just kind of the implication of like, you need to say yes and, and, get in front of these people so they know who you are. And he was really helpful um, in just, in helping me get through those scary moments. Mm -hmm. Sister Jennifer Lane was another person who helped me. She, um, I think she was in my classroom even as I was an adjunct and observing. And it was, it's not always easy to let people into your classroom, like it can be really scary, but I would, when she would ask, I would let her come in, she would observe and we would interact. And she was another person who helped me to, um, to, to just see that this could be a good opportunity for me. And again, like I said, people seeing farther ahead for my future mm-hmm. than I was seeing for my future. In regards to saying the greatest influence in your life as far as teaching religion at BYU, <laughs> I feel like I would be remiss to not recognize that, um, I feel like uh, God has really had a hand in leading mm-hmm. me to where I am. And as I look back at just sort of the different twists and turns of my life, a lot of times it's just me yielding to the Holy Ghost when he says, when, when I get that feeling of like, you should think about this, or this is an opportunity you should try. And I can see his hand, um, just guiding me through those different turns and whether that's in the the words of other people who Mm -hmm. are are speaking as prompted by him or um or the spirit just giving me that opportunity to you know think about something new so i don't know if that answers your question very well emily but thank you for giving me the opportunity to to respond to that so it sounds like a lot of it has been you saying yes. Yeah, I think that's a great summation. <laughs> <laughs> so when it's something that like you don't want to do or something that scares you, how do you how do you get like the courage? How do you personally get the courage to say yes to those opportunities? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think especially this past summer, I saw it manifesting itself more and in the process of getting this of of working towards this specific position Mm -hmm. it's manifested itself a lot um one thing that i try to remind myself is that god does not give us the spirit of fear right just that 
just that doctrine we learn from, or that principle we learn from the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so if I find that an opportunity scares me, a lot of times I will pursue it because it scares me. <laughs> and because I, and it's, sometimes it's things that I, I guess I think, oh yeah, that would be great to do, but I am so scared. I don't want to do it. Um, okay. And so I have, I have just, a lot of times it's that reminder for me, just reminding myself like, you're scared right now, but this is a good opportunity. Say yes. And so I will give the initial yes as fast as possible. That's one thing that I do personally. I will just say, yes, I'll do it. And then I'll regret it, of course, for the next two weeks while I'm prepping for it. But because I've already committed myself, I know that for me, I'm like, are you already committed? You're going to do it. And, and that's one of the ways is I, I literally just, I'm like, yes, I will do it. And then I go home and I think, why did I commit to do that? Why did I say yes? But I have found that, um, that this, in the saying of that, yes, it, I mean, it's, it is, it's really empowering. Mm -hmm. It allows me to do something that scared me. And yes, maybe it was hard and maybe I'm scared through it. But by the end of it, I just, I just feel like, well, we did it. And whether something amazing comes out of it or not, it, it doesn't matter. I had that opportunity this past summer, BYU TV had asked me to come up to audition for something that I had never asked to audition for. <laughs> I, I, I did I did not want to do this. It mm -hmm. very much scared me. It felt like I was completely out of my comfort zone being in front of the camera, right? Having to, to do this audition process. Um, but one of the reasons I said yes is because it scared me. <laughs> and so I went and I didn't get that job. I don't know that uh, that was a very great loss for me. I mm -hmm. didn't necessarily want it. <laughs> uh, but I was able to make some connections there that, and I was able to meet some really cool people, people in the church that are just doing really cool things. Mm -hmm. And um, and I didn't go necessarily to open up opportunities for myself, but I think it did open up opportunities that may continue to manifest themselves over the next, you know, over, over the coming years. So yeah, say, say yes, <laughs> give it a yes. shot. Um, yeah, give it a shot. <laughs> that that's that's good advice and something I think I need. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm in. <laughs> so, for like current students, and maybe maybe even for recent alumni, what what advice do you have for like people considering? changing their majors or thinking about jobs. Do you, do you have any advice for them or other than just say yes? <laughs> just do it. <laughs> um, man, I, I, well, I feel like that really is my advice. Like just go get, like you pursue uh -huh. your education, take on the opportunities. I, I, I think that would be my advice, right? Like, oh. of, of course, make it a matter of, of prayer, discuss it with the people who are close to you that your decisions will affect. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, as you have learned or are hopefully learning to understand how the spirit speaks to you and learning to yield to that voice, 
even if it feels like the change doesn't make sense, right? Maybe it's going to put you behind mm-hmm. of the plan that you felt like you had set for yourself. Ultimately, ultimately, as I, I think ultimately God sees farther ahead for us than we see for ourselves. And, and as he's molding us into not, I think not just what he needs or wants us to become, but what he knows we ultimately desire to become. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's in the that process of yielding and changing and doing things that may be uncomfortable for you that you're becoming something that is not just going to be useful for you in the future, but I think we become more refined instruments in his hands. And as we t- as we take on those opportunities, I mean that's the, those are the opportunities, right? That that mm-hmm. he may be putting in our path to help us reach the ultimate goals that we have set for ourselves and and help us to become who we in the end want to become i i was reminded when i was so i didn't i sorry when Ammon read my thing he talked about right i did my bachelor's then he talked about my mp and my jd but i didn't do my mpa in between those two degrees i actually had only ever planned on doing my bachelor's and then getting my jd but in the process of getting my jd I was introduced to the MPA program and I fought that decision um, because I didn't want to delay my education. It was going to require me to stay on, I think for another year and a half at BYU Provo. And I had always been like, I'm gonna get into grad school and I'm gonna get out as fast as possible. (laughs) Get home and we're not staying in Utah any longer than we need to. And it was a really hard uh, decision to make but I had felt impressed by the spirit that my MPA degree or my MPA education contained what I was missing from my legal education, right? And without the guidance of the spirit, I wouldn't have known that. Mm -hmm. I I think I would have just assumed that my legal education was what I came to get and I would be fine. Um, But there is, there are things that I've learned in my MPA education that are different, that were supplementary and complementary to my legal education, and that have helped me just to become, I think, a more well-rounded individual, a more well-rounded teacher, and have given me skills that my legal education was not teaching me, right? And and God knew that I didn't. (laughs) Again, I know, I kind of think I come back to like, say yes, yield, yield to the intestines of the Holy Spirit. Okay, um, we're almost out of time, but we've got some comments. Is it okay if we go over those real quick and then? Oh, yeah. Can I even see those? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we've got this question. Thank you for sharing that I was just going to ask, how did you overcome the fear of things, decision makings, etc., that you experienced, like any self-doubt along your journey of education? Oh, yeah, so much. I just like any self-doubt so much and not just education. I feel like even, even the process of getting this particular, this Mm -hmm. full-time position, there were so many times in the process where I either just, I had decided, you know what, we're just not going to even try. (laughs) Right. Like I looked at the, the requirements of the type of person that they were looking to hire. And I just thought, I don't think that's me. (laughs) I think we're going to tap out. And then I would make it through that first. I made it through the first round. And then Mm -hmm. I got the email saying what was going to be required for the second round. And I thought, this is where I tap out. (laughs) 
And then I, I got the next email for the next round. I thought, yeah, this is exactly where I tap out. I think we're, we're done here. We're just, mm -hmm. we're not going to pursue this any farther. But again, I, I, I think I just recognize that those were feelings of fear. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, um, ultimately, I knew that this was something that I wanted. And I, I didn't want to give up before giving it my best shot. And so a lot of a lot of times, it may be for you, I'm not sure this question is from but for you, one thing that I did is I expressed those fears and concerns both to the people around me who I knew had my, who knew what, who knew I had or who had my best interests at heart. Mm -hmm. I expressed them to God. And I, um, and so I think when I, when you asked the question, like, how did you overcome the fear of things? It was a lie. It was, it was depending on the love and support of people around me, depending on the love and support of God, Mm -hmm. who had sent me comfort throughout my life and just recognizing like, oh, this is the spirit giving me comfort. And also just recognizing like, this is something that I want. And if I want it, I need to work for it, even if it's hard, even if I'm scared. Um, and in the end, you know, I was able to to get hired and it's been such a huge blessing. And it's, been also very hard, but it's it was something that I desired, and um, and something that I was willing to work for. Okay, that's that's pretty good. It that's pretty good <laughs> to think about. <laughs> I'm not really sure if I have anything to add. Other than, Thanks. <laughs> um, we've got one more question in the comments um, from Roxanne. Palatino, how do you, how do you, what advice do you have for preparing to enter un university? My goodness. Um, wow. <laughs> I, I'm thinking back to sort of that, you know, that 12th grader who was applying to university mm -hmm. and preparing to come to university and the things that I expected it to be and the things that it was and the things that it wasn't. Um, <laughs> I think one thing for me is just, I think it's to remember what a privilege it is to pursue higher learning. Because that education, whether you're taking classes that are for your major or not, mm -hmm. that education opens you up to, I think, opportunities, ideas, to people. And it's when we talk about like the glory of God being intelligence, right? It's, this is what you're doing. You're, you're entering a place that is dedicated to improving your, your learning, your intelligence, your mind. And so I think it's just to not squander the opportunity to, to respect that that's what, that's what's happening. That's mm -hmm. what it's going to be. And to, to be prepared to just give it your all. I would also, on a side note, enjoy as much as you can out of those summers because once the semester comes, I mean, it's, you you know, Ammon. Yes. It's hard work. Yeah. It's hard work. It's, it's mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually draining, 
work. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so, I mean, play hard when you have time to play and work hard when it's time to work. Cool. That I, I totally agree with that advice for, for Roxanne and anyone watching or listening who wants to come to school, enjoy your off time. But when you're there working, work hard. Okay. Um, we're kind of out of time. Do you have anything you want to add or I think this has been great. I've learned a lot. No, I, I, I don't know that I have necessarily anything more to add. <laughs> Just thank you for the opportunity. I love what the university is doing here mm -hmm. in, in giving students a chance to see what's going, what can happen for them after university because mm -hmm. you know the college experience really can be all-consuming sometimes it's hard to see past it but this is such a small part of your life and it's but it's an opportunity for you to prepare to become the type of leaders that you know that president mckay saw in his vision for this university and so as you i think just as you continue to to pursue your education take advantage of these opportunities that the university is giving you to prepare for, to prepare for what's after. Say yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's say yes. <laughs> well, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. Um, we've got just a few things to say before we uh, end. Um, so, uh, Chris, if you, thank you. There we go. <laughs> so thank you again for joining us. Um, just a reminder, this Friday at 3 p.m., we have our Aloha Friday pro podcast with Aljay and Sandra Fuimaono. Um, next Monday, we've got our, uh, our, uh, our Mentoring Monday podcast with Tiffane Magre. Uh, we're on Spotify, so if you missed this one or any of our others, uh, you, can, you can find us on Spotify, on YouTube, on Facebook. Check out our podcasts, our past podcasts and future podcasts. Uh, we hope to see you at Culture Night this, this Friday and Saturday. And uh, another encouragement, join Ohana Network. We've got a lot of great resources, a lot of people there who can help you find those opportunities that you can say yes to. So thanks for joining us and aloha.